Welcome to season five of the Retail Tea Break podcast. My name is Melissa Moore, the Retail Advisor, and each week I'll be joined by industry experts, retailers and brands to dispel the myths, share their knowledge and give you an insight into the retail industry. You can listen back to previous episodes on your favourite podcast platform or on YouTube. And while you're there, please subscribe to the podcast so that you get to listen to it first every week. In the meantime, grab that cup of tea, sit back and listen in to season five of the Retail Tea Break podcast. Today's episode of the Retail Tea Break podcast is sponsored by Salesforce, who bring companies and customers together. I'm joined by an internationally recognized expert in the retail industry, a seasoned researcher who helps global organizations build the future of their business. She shared her thoughts with the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and the Financial Times. Footwear News honored her as one of the six powerful women in technology in 2021, and Rethink Retail continues to list her as one of the top retail influencers in the world for 2022 and, of course, this year, 2023. At Salesforce, she blends data and analysis to create thought-provoking content that helps companies understand how new technologies will impact the future of their business. Michelle Grant, Director of Industry Insights and Strategy for Retail and Consumer Goods at Salesforce, welcome to the Retail Tea Break podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I am delighted. It's one of these conversations that I think it's so well-timed this year as we kind of get into holiday season, we're getting into towards Christmas. Loads of kind of questions for you today. But look, before we start, in the age-old tradition of the Retail Tea Break podcast, in the time that it takes to boil a kettle, which is about two minutes, I'm told, tell us a little bit about you and your background. Excellent. My background is in market research. Previously, I led the retailing research for Euromonitor International. I joined Salesforce in March of 2020, which was an interesting time to be starting a new job. And in my role at Salesforce, I studied the trends impacting the retail and consumer goods industries, particularly through the lens of technology, and then share those insights with customers and the industry at large. Amazing. Gosh, I didn't realize it was that month. That you joined Salesforce, you certainly joined the company, obviously at a pivotal role or a pivotal time in retail full stop, certainly for the last hundred years. That must have been a baptism of fire really going in at that time. It was. I Obviously, there are pluses and minuses. The minus yeah. is obviously a global pandemic, which is very scary. But the pluses was no one knew what was going on. So without any training, which was canceled because it was all in person, I was on a level playing field with all my colleagues because, you know, everything was kind of on the fly as to what we needed to do to respond to such a crisis. Wow. How how amazing. I'm sure there's a few months there that you'll you'll definitely never forget. We all know Salesforce. And recently they published their predictions for Christmas and the holiday season for this year. However, as I've said earlier, I've absolutely no doubt that the trends and the predictions that you have will definitely see us into 2024. How is artificial intelligence predicted to drive digital sales this holiday season, Michelle? Mm -hmm. So, right, there's 
two types of, well, there's many types of AI, but in particular for the retail industry, we've been using predictive AI for almost a decade now, you know, product recommendations, you know, segmentation, time sent, lots of different ways that artificial intelligence has impacted the retail experience personalization. So what we've seen in our data through our commerce cloud platform that we aggregate and share publicly through the shopping index is that that predictive artificial intelligence actually influences about 13% of orders through our platform throughout the year, and it bumps up to 15% during the holiday as we have more more traffic and people are looking for more products. And But now we have a new, well, relatively new, publicly available generative AI that we believe will also influence product purchases this holiday season. And with that, we had to use survey data. And what we found was that 17% of consumers globally have already used generative AI for product uh, inspiration, right? I know I've used it to look up recommendations for outfits, for beauty products, for meal plans. So lots of great uses for it. And according to that survey, 10% of consumers are going to use that to actually find gift ideas, right? Much easier to type in, you know, my husband likes sports. What's the latest? He likes, I'm going to say football, right? As in soccer, because New Zealand and this is an Irish podcast. So I know my audience. So what would be the latest product that he would need to, you know, would be a great gift. My budget is this. So we really do see that shoppers are going to use this new tool to find out their gifts. And the combination of that predictive AI, you know, when you're getting those product recommendations emailed to you or even on site, plus that generative AI component, both for retailers that are using it now and for shoppers, we predict that that will influence $194 billion worth of sales this holiday season. Grief. But actually, I mean, that's a crazy figure. But actually, the way you describe it, you can't be without it. Like, as you said, we all need recommendations, especially when it comes to gifting. Like, there's only so many pairs of socks we'd say I can buy my husband. Like, you do need those ideas. So it is incredibly useful. So, of course, then it makes sense that it's really going to churn such an incredible amount of money globally. Mm-hmm, definitely. And I'm really excited. I hope there's innovation around the gift guide, right? Because you would normally mm. go to a blog post or, you know, everyone would have just like a section on their website of gift guides. And it's, you know, one way storytelling to what you should buy for your, you know, your child, your significant other, all those things. But what if it was like, if you spun up a, a generative AI sort of Lot to help you find the perfect gift as opposed to sort of a listicle of things. So I'm hoping that retailers are going to get inventive this, this holiday season. And, and like you said, it may, you know, it's still a relatively new technology. So it may not be this season, but it may be for like a next holiday, like Easter or Mother's Day or Father's Day, and then for holiday 2024. So really excited about what we could see happen. I think that sounds incredible, fantastic. So we all know how busy shoppers are, as I've said, especially in the run up to big occasions, whether it is kind of at Christmas or even weddings or birthdays, we really do just run around. So for the retailer then to deliver an efficient, convenient shopping experience is absolutely vital. The idea then of buying online and picking up in store is something that I think was introduced to most shoppers during COVID, during those lockdown periods, because it was easy and convenient and safe 
again, I suppose we go back to those times where we needed to feel safe when we were shopping. Do you think, though, that it's something retailers should continue to invest in and then to promote to shoppers? Oh, definitely. And again, it's part of our holiday predictions. We tracked it last year through the shopping index and one in five online orders placed were BOPIS. So it's a huge component of the shopping experience. And what we saw last year was that those retailers that offered a BOPIS option grew seven times faster in their online sales than those who didn't. Of course, you know, with the holidays, right, there's always a, a time limit and a, and a shipping cutoff And so that really puts a lot of pressure on people to make those purchases and being able to look up the products online, get them immediately at the store almost has been a very huge unlock, even after the safety element has subsided. So it really is a consumer habit that has stuck around in greater proportion when it comes to buying or shopping online. And what we saw in our our consumer survey was that actually 39% percent of people seek out retailers that have the BOPIS option. They really value that convenience and that it it is a competitive differentiator because they want it there. And so we're, you know, we're very bullish on that whole feature as as click and collect and buy online pickup in store is sort of a necessary table stakes feature to have for retailers because of the need from consumers. And it definitely you know, drives revenue because you're going to capture that online sale that might have gone to a competitor or may not have happened at all. And we've also predict that it drives incremental revenue in in the holiday season. We predict that $28 billion will actually be spent in stores when people go to collect their purchases. So if you're merchandising everything correctly and someone walks in the store, they've already there to to pick up an item, but they may, you know, see something and grab something or maybe think, oh, I forgot this to my list. I'll just get it while I'm getting this item. So it's a really important revenue driver when it comes to actual store revenues too. And to your point, it's it's not just a, a big, you know, fourth quarter holiday mm-hmm. feature. I've looked at some data. We didn't see a big uplift in BOPIS before Easter this year, but Mother's Day, oh. saw, you know, like I said, BOPIS is around 20% of online orders, but it, it went to 27% the Friday before Mother's Day and 29% the Saturday before Mother's Day. So again, you're capturing those last minute shoppers who need that convenience while they're preparing for the big holidays. That is incredible. But again, if you think about how you shop yourself, makes perfect sense. And I'm almost seeing this thread here. So we've we've gone online, we've used this generative AI to pick the gifting as a shopper that I need. You then get to pick it all up in one go when you're out doing your other bits. But it's something I certainly teach. And I know we spoke about this before when I'm delivering training or if I'm lecturing. We talk about that added advantage. You've got that customer in store who's just popping in to pick something up. If that merchandising, as you say, that can be so on the bottom when they come in, of course, you're going to get extra sales out of them. It's such a brilliant way to add on without being pushy. It's a great way, I think, of even clearing those really time sensitive offers. If they're around that area when customers and shoppers do come in. So it is such an incredible strategy. And as you said, it's such a core differentiator. But yet I'm still seeing certainly last year an awful lot of retailers not offering it. But I think your data there has just spoken to the fact that 
we have to can't not do it then at this stage and certainly there's still time to invest and do it properly for this year because it works as you said for any gifting season Mm -hmm. I definitely agree And, and there are costs right associated with bogus and you know that does need to be taken into consideration but if you're looking at the bigger picture as far as competitive advantage, the ability to upsell when someone's in store or cross sell. There's a lot of ancillary effects that you may not be taking into account when you're doing the, you know, profit and loss calculation on those BOPIS orders. And of course, with technology, that BOPIS transaction is only going to get more efficient for you going forward. So it is now the right time to start implementing that technology, testing and learning and things will get more efficient as as you scale it up and wring out any of those inefficiencies. And again, keeping the the broader picture of like competitive advantage and consumer wants is key. I think it's that kind of golden nugget that every retailer is looking for, aren't they? It's that idea of how do I continue to stand out in this really crowded market at the moment? So it's definitely one to invest in. And then another aspect of the shopper experience, and I think even the media has picked up on this more and more the last couple of years. So it's kind of become very prevalent. Something that impacts the shopper journey, you know, is whether or not shoppers can return goods so look I know and let's be really honest I know I'm put off retailers if I realize that the returns policy either doesn't suit my needs or it seems too complicated it really does seem again to be something that you can either gain competitive advantage of or just makes you stand out from the crowd what are you seeing at the moment Michelle? Mm-hmm. Yes. So the cost of returns has increased with logistics and return logistics. So retailers really have taken a really hard look at what their returns process is like. Again, trying to wring out as many inefficiencies as possible and even looking to charge people for returns. So you have companies like Zara, Boohoo, New Look, all adding return fees if you're doing it online. In some cases, returns to a store free because they're less expensive, but a return that you have to mail in, so it, you know, has a fee because of the, you know, the sort of the, the costs associated with those returns and the fact that people are spending more online means that they're going to return more, especially in those fashion categories where you're often, mm. you know, bracketing where you're buying multiple sizes of an item to see how it fits and understand what's going on. And so, yes, it's put a lot of pressure on the bottom lines because of the expense of those re- reverse logistics, but it's not a great consumer experience. People hate paying for returns. They hate a complicated return process. And as a result, we do see that 88% of retailers have said that they're going to make their return policies more strict this holiday season. And we think that's going to you know, impact how much is done online. So we think that 21% of online sales are at risk because of these stricter return policies and the fees associated with them. And it was interesting as I was preparing for this podcast, I came across a survey done by Pennies this summer about why people are shifting their shopping habits, particularly from online back into the store. And the number one reason 55% of Irish consumers said it was the hassle of online returns. They'd rather go to the store, try it on, 
you know, pick it out and then purchase it there so that they don't have to go through, okay, what is the policy? How many days do I have? Does it cost me? Does it cost me to, you know, return online or in store? And actually the increased cost of the returns, 39% of Irish consumers said that was a barrier to their online sales. So it is really important to balance, you know, the need to make a profit with the consumer expectation around online returns. That's fascinating. And yet to me as a shopper, it doesn't surprise me. So it's great to hear these big global brands actually listening, listening to their shoppers. But also you do wonder then, and I suppose most people within the industry, is that charging for returns a barrier of do I really need to buy six different dresses to try and find an outfit for the wedding this weekend? Could I just buy one or two? But then on the flip side, I know as a shopper, it can be really inconvenient to have to go to the post office to bring something back, you know, actually bring something back to store. So I do think there's something in that Penny's data that says, come into store, try it on, buy what you need. Because otherwise, you know, most of us, and I'm sure everyone listening is the same, you end up with that dress or that item in your wardrobe or in your house somewhere you're never going to use that. Yes, you will bring to a charity shop, but it's that what if, you know, if I hadn't bought it in the first place, had I been able to bring it back? So I think, again, this is something massive for 2024, Michelle, that I think we are only starting to see the journey or I suppose the explosion of returns issues within the industry. I definitely agree. And I think similar to Pope is right. There are efficiencies to be gained. It was not necessarily when e-commerce sales were a bit, you know, a smaller percentage of your sales. It was not necessarily the you know, biggest area of focus, but now it is. And with that, you can use technology, processes, and people to get those returns faster back on the floor or be creative about, you know, seeing some things where, you know, you get a percentage off of a product if you don't return it. So there's a lot of innovation that can still happen in that returns process that makes it a little bit of a more of a win-win for the retailer and the consumer, as opposed to kind of those blunt tools of like charging for things or tightening up, you know, only have two weeks to return. Those are kind of very blunt tools, but I think there's a lot that can be done to, to make that returns experience work for both parties. And that's great to hear. And again, it's this usage of technology now, as you said, whether it's buy online, pick up in store, whether it's this generative AI, or of course, then with the returns policy, it is making you more efficient. It's also making your teams more efficient. And I think we often forget that if your staff and your teams are freed up to do other things, then actually it becomes almost the return investment is there because they're probably selling more and more efficiently as well, which is which is fantastic. The next prediction then from Salesforce is that social media advertising is going to deliver peak return investment, both in store and online. Fascinated by this. I think this is one of these kind of predictions or kind of trends that has been building now over the last few years. And this definitely seems like it's going to kick off as we go into holiday 2023. Mm -hmm. So we've seen traffic from social media websites in the first quarter of this year jump by 20% as refers to the online website. So we already see that gaining momentum. And according to our survey, 50% of shoppers said that they are likely to go to a retailer or brand's website after they see an ad on social media, compared to only 39% who viewed an email. So social media has just become this 
really great platform for product discovery. It's always at the top of the list as far as when it comes to where do you find new products. So people are engaging there for a lot of different reasons, but oftentimes for product inspiration and it translates into e-commerce sales. So we believe that social media will be driving 10x more visits to online websites than traditional marketing channels like email. Gosh. Well, there's where to put your money if you haven't already for this this kind of holiday season. And again, moving forward into next year, because you said there is an absolute clear return investment from really kind of investing and being mindful with your strategy, I think, for your social media advertising. But as you said, there is no better gift guide than a really well curated social media platform that suits your brand, especially as we come into kind of Christmas and holiday season this year. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's where, you know, influencers on social media, you know, who have an audience, who know their audience. And, you know, I get a lot of product recommendations from the influencers I follow, whether it's the beauty category or the travel category or outdoors, right? They know their audiences really well and what products would resonate with them. And then taking any sort of content that they've produced and, you know, on your behalf and turning it into a social ad so that you get that, you know, ringing endorsement from someone who understands what their audience wants from products is, is a great way to really drive return on investment on the, on those ad dollars. Fantastic. And I think it always looks so pretty as well as we come into Christmas. Yes. So it's always great to see. So lots of traditional selling then going on across channels, as you'd expect in the run up to Christmas or any key kind of holiday season. However, this could be the first year that we're seeing the resale gifting trend go mainstream. This fascinates me. I suppose we've seen the gradual build and the idea of sustainability, circularity, especially within retail. But shoppers, of course, this year, and it's the same across the world, really. Shoppers are keen to save money this year, but also want to be more sustainable. I think it's something we all have in us now to be a little bit more sustainable as we learn, as we educate ourselves. And this is definitely driving this new trend. So what are retailers doing to champion the idea of resale gifting this holiday season? Yes, yeah, certainly. So one in three shoppers, according to our survey, want to or plan on giving a gift that is a resold product. So we estimate mm -hmm. that 17% of gifts will be from resale. So obviously, where are they going to get that inventory? And right, it's been around for a long time, right? We have a Stair Collective, Depop, eBay. It's nothing new from these marketplaces. But now what we're seeing the trend is, you know, retailers and brands who have, you know, focus on selling new products are integrating the resold products into their own online websites to, to resell. So like Farfetch has a pre-owned category on their website. H&M has made moves into reselling their products as well as other brands. Zalando has a resell platform on their website. So what we see now is moving from these third-party marketplaces that focused only on secondhand goods to brands and retailers taking in the products that they've sold, either repairing them or just reselling them as is on their own platforms. You know, Patagonia has worn wear. Here in the U.S., I've actually seen 
in their, in sort of like the searches I've done, they've actually placed sort of ads to link out to the Warnware website that they've created so that, you know, while you're looking at new product, they're also suggesting that you go to a website that they've created for their secondhand products. So really integrating that whole process within a brand or retailer is, is the new trend. So it's getting a lot more visibility. You can buy from your, your favorite brands and retailers very seamlessly. You don't have to go hunting through you know those third-party marketplaces if you're not familiar with them to find the product listing. So it's really been really a lot easier now to buy secondhand from your favorite products and retailers or your favorite brands and retailers. This is so exciting because I think the last kind of year or two, we talked about this seamless omni-channel experience, almost like the simple version of, you know, buying online or buying in store or vice versa. But the whole idea of now literally bringing this sustainability aspect right into the heart of retail with our major brands, as you said, making it seamless, I think is a game changer. You know, a lots of us, I'm sure we would do. We would buy secondhand, as you say, we would resell especially at gifting season, if it was easy. Let's be honest, we've talked about it loads today. Convenience, efficiency, it's such a busy time of year. But I think if we can make that happen for our shoppers, it's got to make us feel good. It's also got to make the shopper feel good. But I think it's definitely a trend that's, that's here to stay. Again, this is one for 2024, something to think about now, but it's surely something we're going to see more and more of as time goes on. I'm also very optimistic that every store one day will have a recycling bin for their products and a repair station for their products. So we're seeing that take off. Like I was just in Canada and I went to the Arcteric store and they had a very dedicated repair and restore shop for all of their outerwear. So again, extending the life of the product through repairs will be great. And, and so that frictionlessness that we're seeing online will translate to the store where you can get your products repaired very easily and then you can recycle them by dropping off in the bin. And of course, a great way to drive more traffic to your stores. So that's my optimistic take on the, the future of the store. I love that idea. Component. And I definitely think it's going to happen. We've seen it certainly with the big brands, as you said, Nike do it, Patagonia are doing it. It's going to happen. And I think that's really exciting. I think there's plenty of shoppers out there that we probably don't even have data on yet that are willing to try that to just extend the life of stuff they love at the end of the day. So that's that's really, really exciting. But look, while I have you, and it's definitely a question I'm cheekily going to ask, you know, as retailers, we almost work all year to kind of lead us into this golden quarter. You know, we we want to draw these new shoppers in across all our different exciting channels to buy at this busy, busy time of year. So the big question, how do we keep these, you know, once off shoppers that might dip in and dip out at Christmas or the holiday season? How do we keep them and then turn them into loyal customers? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. We always see a peak traffic, right? Because everyone is online searching for the gifts for them for themselves as yes. well as for other people. So don't forget that the holiday is just as much about self-gifting as it is about gifting to others. That's like a true retailer there. 
<laughs> and certainly with the first category, right, you should be able to convert them into loyal shoppers throughout the year because they are self-selecting for your for your products because they like them and they're taking advantage of the holiday sales. But it's that, that latter category, right, when they're shopping on behalf of others, how do you get them? They already have sort of this product recommendation and brand endorsement from the, the recipient of the gift. So I like to think of it in two ways, like a very tactical way where, you know, so many brands and retailers now have loyalty programs. So it's really important to emphasize your loyalty program, right? You can do a pop-up where you give people discounts to, you know, get your email or text, but you could also offer discounts for, you know, signing up for loyalty programs or sign up bonus and points, right? To get them in your loyalty program. And then from that touch point, get them into you know a content journey that you're always reaching out with them and touching base and letting them know about new products and sales and you know educating them about your brand in case you know they were buying on someone else's behalf. So really leaning into loyalty program messaging through all of your channels on text, email, website, it's going to be key to capturing more insights into your shopper base, but also converting more of those shoppers into loyalty consumers that buy multiple times a year. And then you have the broader like strategic things that make a consumer more loyal to you. Like we talked about, you know, what's your returns policy? Is it clear, easy, reasonable? Do you offer BOPIS to make it convenient for them? And the other thing that ranks really highly when it comes to loyalty is customer service. So do you have good customer service that's going to make the experience of buying with you, particularly during the gifting season when someone may not know how to assemble something, they may not know the care instructions, so really ensuring that your customer service team is on their A game, not only to handle the volume of the calls you're going to get about where's my order, how do I do a return, it came damaged, you know, so really making sure that your customer service is on point for the holiday and then throughout the year because shoppers do take that into consideration when they're making a purchase. 100% agree with you there. And I have to, as someone that delivers, you know, customer experience training and lectures in it, that it's it's all well and good having these the data, having the loyalty program. But if that human touch point isn't there, that's educated, that has knowledge about the product or the service that you have, it all falls apart. So I think it's really lovely even hearing that from you that as well as all the technical aspects, that actually the fundamentals there of customer service can't be lost because if they are, there is no way to drive loyalty without that kind of human connection at any point of the journey. Mm -hmm. Correct. And I think it kind of gets either taken for granted or overlooked because some people view it or some retailers view it as a cost center and it's it's really a loyalty center. It can be a revenue center. So really, I'm always a champion for, for excellent customer service because we see it in the data. Like if people have a good customer service experience, they're more likely to be loyal to you. And if they have a bad one, it's the top worst how do I want to phrase this? When we ask consumers or shoppers, you know, what's the worst retail experience you could have? 53% said bad customer service. That was above uh, damaged product and out of stocks. So it's just that important to the shopper to have a good customer service experience. 
It really should be top line in strategy for every retailer, shouldn't it? As you said, the data proves it, that you could deliver damaged goods, but actually it can be sorted really easily if that customer service interaction, you know, has a resolution, has empathy. There's so much that it can really, as you say, undo the damage that literally has been done to the relationship if the customer service is good. So I'm delighted to hear you talk about that as well as everything else today, because it is such a, it's so key, you know, especially as you said, holiday season, Christmas, way too busy in retail. You know, we make all this money in such a short period of time. It just comes down to basics sometimes. It really, really does. But look, final question then, Michelle, what's coming up for you and the business over the next few months? Well, we will be sharing a lot more insights around holiday. So we'll have our updated predictions where we estimate what will be spent globally and in the U.S. That'll be coming out soon in a blog post. We will do surveys around shopping habits during the holiday seasons. We'll be tracking you know, the cyber week data, which is obviously very important in the U.S. And then once everything is done, we do an all wrapped up series where we talk about what happened and what that means for 2024. So definitely make sure to follow Salesforce through the blog, our LinkedIn channels, even myself on LinkedIn, because I share all that content. So you get a full view of what's happening in, in the holiday season, sort of more you know predictive than actual and then reflective. So we, we go through the whole cycle so you understand what is happening on the holiday front. And then I'm also pleased to announce that we have a connected shoppers report that you can download so that you can learn about some of the survey data I cited. We interviewed 2,400 consumers in 17 countries and then about 1,100 retail executives in those countries as well. So you get that view from what the shopper is doing and then what the retail executives are doing about that trend. So really a great resource for people to understand what's happening globally in retail. It's a busy time of year. (laughs) It it, it is. And it's funny, not just for the retailers or for the shoppers, but for you gathering all this data. And I think it is so useful. I think that's another message from today is it's really actionable data, like you said today. And it's quite practical as, you know, if you're unsure of where to turn next or what to do next, this starts to really point you in the direction of generally what's going on but you'll know straight away whether it's right for your customer so I do think these insights are so important because eventually it does trickle down and it is what your customers will expect it certainly happened there with you know Bopus buy online shopping store it is still trickling down but as you said it works and it's clearly working for so many retailers out there so so much going on in Salesforce world but we're very grateful for the insights and the data if you've enjoyed today's podcast episode please please like and share it so many golden nuggets from Michelle today and remember then you can listen back to past retail tea break episodes on your favorite podcast platform or of course on YouTube and then as Michelle said there do follow her on LinkedIn or on Twitter or X whatever it's called now as I do and that's at MG Talks Retail or of course follow Salesforce and the Retail Advisor across social media platforms I'll pop website links and some of the links to some of that key data that Michelle's talked about today in the show notes and then remember you'll be able to find the show notes and the transcript because all those data all those nuggets will be in there it'll be on the retailadvisor.ie so lots of information for you today that we'll have for you as well so Michelle thank you so much for your time and your insights today really really appreciate it it was my pleasure thank you so much for having me 